everyone. Welcome back to the She Illuminates the World podcast. This is Jocelyn, your host. And today I am here with Maggie Clockingay. And we are going to be talking about money. Everything that you want to know about money and abundance and how to bring money in. Maggie is a financial coach. Her firm is called Make a Money Mind Shift, and she is also a CFP and a CPA. So I am going to let Maggie talk about herself um, and all the amazing things that she's doing and share a little bit of her journey with all of you. Thank you, Jocelyn. I'm really happy. I'm so happy to be here. So yeah, so I've been in the financial services industry for about 25 years, and um just first doing taxes for high net worth individuals as a CPA, and then went into the um, financial advisory space and just working with different individuals and couples with their money and their investments. And I felt this tug on my heart a few years ago where I just felt like there's, there should be something more that I was doing and I couldn't figure out what it was and just was trying to, you know, doing some research. And I came across Financial Peace University. And so for those of you who haven't heard that, that is a Dave Ramsey product. Now, Dave Ramsey, you either typically love him or hate him. Um, people, if they know me, they would say I'm Dave, Dave Ramsey-ish. Um, but I ended up teaching Financial Peace University at my church with my husband. And the thing that really interested me the most, Jocelyn, was the fact that the most of the attendees, this was not their first time attending. It was their second or third time attending. And I thought, why was that? You know, why was it that they weren't getting off the hamster wheel of debt? And so I just really got more into the psychology of money, researching and just reading up on it. Why do we do the things we do? Mm -hmm. And then COVID happened and, you know, millions of people were losing their jobs. I thought, okay, I just need to start sharing some of this information. And so I started pro bono financially coaching couples and just in sharing the information, it was just so overwhelmingly positive. Like I'd have couples tell me in the 15, 20 years they've been married, they never were able to talk to each other about money this way without getting into a fight. And I thought this is it, I'm onto something. And so I formed my own company, um, which is Make a Money Mind Shift. So it's a financial coaching and planning firm in central Illinois. And I really coach my clients on first why we do the things we do with our money. And then together we work through the hows so that they can achieve their what's those goals or daydreams they had in their lives. Amazing. Amazing. And and I just like want to say, like, if it were as easy as just like, this is how you invest. Yes. Um, how you save, like we would all be doing great. Exactly. Um, but it's a lot more complicated than that. And we don't talk about money psychology. That is something that I had never really heard of until I got into the coaching space and having my own business and actually having to charge clients for services. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so important. Like it's so important to introduce the psychology of money and to start to look at like, what are our beliefs, um, around money. And so I would love for you to just share more about, you know, for somebody that is brand new to 
to money or wants more money and doesn't have money? Like, where do you even start with that? Yeah, no, great question. And so one of the first things I do when I'm talking with my clients and even before I'm coaching my clients, I'm just introducing them to different concepts and thoughts and just scientific research. So one of them is money scripts. And this was introduced by Dr. Brad Klontz and his father, Ted Klontz. And Brad is a financial psychologist and also a CFP. And what they, in their research, had determined money scripts are. So if you think of a script as in a play or a movie, it is for a specific character's role. And you repeat that script over and over and over again for that specific character. That's great. Mm -hmm. But then what if that script is used for a different character? It doesn't fit that character's role. And so with money scripts, what we may have learned in our childhood from our loved ones, our parents, grandparents, different people caring for us, and we kept hearing what their beliefs about money were that were serving them at that time repeated to us over and over and over again. It trailed into our subconscious as adults. And we still have those money scripts playing while we go about in our adult lives. And so one of the things that they have determined is that there's basically four main categories of money scripts. So you can have money status, which is we all, this is the keeping up with the Joneses. This is where social media is the worst, right? Because you just see everybody with their you know, beautiful pictures on Instagram and you want that. And so you've got the money status. Um, you have money vigilance. Money vigilance is actually considered like the good one of the group. So this is where people um, may actually be secret about their money because they don't want to share how much they may make. Um, they really believe saving is important, but it could get, get a little neurotic because they're starting to hoard their money because they, they want to save and they don't want to spend it all. Um, you know, and so you can have um, money worship, which now is called sometimes money focus. And that's where you may think that more money will bring you more happiness. And then finally, you have money avoidance. And money avoidance we see in the news a lot because when you hear about the lottery winners, and they have um, gotten into a great amount of you know, money all of a sudden. Um, pro athletes are the same. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you find that they are filing for bankruptcy. And how is it? And it's that they're thinking that money is bad or rich people are greedy. And so they're spending all of their money. And money avoidance gets into a whole other topic, which we can talk about, but that's our whole financial comfort zone. Yes, I definitely want to get into financial comfort zone, but it's just I, like I don't even know where to go. <laughs> it's so fascinating. <laughs> like there's so much. Um, but yeah, it's tapping into like what was your money story growing up? Like what did you learn about money? And you know, throughout my journey, and I have my own business, is like I have had to dig really deep into like why am I the way that I am with mm. money? And like, what's the truth? <laughs> and mm. like, it, I think what I want to kind of call out is money is a, um, abundant, like money yes. is not a scarce resource and money is literally energy. Mm. Like it's just energy. That's all it is. And we mm. attach meaning to it. 
And I guess that's where like these four categories fall in and keeping up with the Joneses. Definitely had that one <laughs> growing yeah. up. Um, yeah. I see vigilance, people that have money and they're like so fixated on saving. Yes. I totally get that one. Worship and the happiness and like money. And this one is interesting because money doesn't buy happiness, but money can allow you to access happiness if you use it intentionally. And then I I almost feel like the avoidance is, I don't know if that's the most common or not, but I know that came up like just on one of my, through one of my coaching programs where so many of us are avoidant. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. Mm Um, yeah. And we think if we have more, all of our problems will go away, but we don't actually know what to do when we have it. Um, Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is so interesting. And that's why I always like to lead with that when I'm coaching my clients, because it gives them compassion for themselves. It gives them compassion for their partners. If they're coming to me as a couple and, and just having that, it makes you think, you know, you don't have to think like some people may think I'm bad with money, but it may not be that you're bad with money. It may be that you had a, you know, a loved one, a parent who is bad with money, but they kept saying that to you. And then you just decide you internalize that because you thought that was your money script, but maybe right. you're really okay with money. So there's so many things that can go, you know, in our subconscious that aren't serving us anymore. And so in the first session, um, I have my clients take the clients money script inventory assessment, and it goes through those four main categories of money scripts. And we review the assessment together. And then through our sessions together, we actually rescript one or two money scripts that we know aren't serving them anymore. Yes. I'm so glad you brought up compassion and I'm glad you brought up subconscious because a lot of these stories and scripts, they're in the subconscious. So we're, sometimes we're not like rationally aware that it's happening. And yet like our subconscious mind is running the show. So like we, we might be avoiding money and we may not realize it. Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? But like, we have these scripts that are so deeply embodied. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a much deeper process than just like, oh, like I'm just going to change my behavior. Like it's not that easy. So I wanted to bring that up, but the compassion, Mm -hmm. this, in my opinion is so important, probably the biggest piece of like bringing compassion to what, whatever it is, like yeah. whatever it is, like bringing compassion, because we developed these stories and whether they're your stories or they're your ancestors or at some point they kept us safe. Mm-hmm. And there is so much trauma related to money, especially among women and minority groups and we have been abused by money. We have been oppressed by money. So we developed behaviors in order to protect us and to keep us safe. Because in the past, there were real repercussions. Like women were not allowed to open up a bank account until 1960 um, or have a credit card in their own name. So bringing compassion into like whatever the money stories are and the money scripts is number, to me, I mean, it's the first step. <laughs> it's like, yes. Yeah. 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 Cause you, I mean, you, it's, it's getting the awareness of what may be going on and then saying to yourself, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, giving yourself that grace and just, and giving yourself that permission to have the compassion because so often we don't know what we don't know. And then we beat ourselves up because we didn't know it to begin with. Well, 
you're, you know, that's a vicious cycle. So just absolutely having that compassion, having the awareness and then having the compassion to, you know, learn, you know, learn different things about ourselves. That, go, that goes for anything. That's yeah. not just for money. Like, like that's just food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Compassion, <laughs> eating disorder recovery, like all of it, it's bringing compassion and awareness. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about financial comfort zone. Okay. So yeah, I love the financial comfort zone. And this is kind of part of the money avoidance. So we have going back to what you were saying, like with our ancestors. So we have this comfort zone where we have this herd mentality where we want to socially connect with others. We want to be belong to a group. And the financial comfort zone is where if you think about it, it is, I sometimes will think of it as like a thermostat where you have a temperature, you like to be at say 72 degrees. That is your physical temperature of comfort, great. But what if it gets up to 78? Or what if it gets down to 67? You're slowly going to adjust to try to get that back to 72. Well, with our finances, there may be some subconscious thoughts again going where if you come into some money and you're back up at that 78 degrees, you might start spending it down because you're not quite comfortable. You may feel that your family or friends aren't quite comfortable with that sudden influx of money. And so you're starting to spend it just thinking, not even realizing it, but spending it going, okay, you know, I'm just getting back to that 72 degrees. Meanwhile, again, say with, you know, we, we both own our own businesses, say money is low in the business for the time being. And you're like, okay, what can I do to bring myself back up to that 72 degrees, right? I'm at 67 degrees, not quite comfortable with having this low cash in my business bank account. And just overall, what can I do? What can I do a launch? What is it that I can do to go ahead and bring that money back up to my financial comfort zone? And then everything is back to where you're in your status quo. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind, as you were saying that is, I think what's so fascinating to me is like, as you're talking about financial comfort zone and like the ranges and the set points is, is eating disorder recovery uh, um, and, and body image. Cause that's where my background is. And there's the yeah. set point theory, your body wants to maintain a certain weight and there, you know, there's a range. And when you start to get to that lower point, your metabolism will start um, slowing down. So you yeah. gain weight and then, and vice versa to keep you in that range of safety. And I just, the parallels like blow my mind. And I learned a paradigm early on um, in my coaching journey was how we do one thing is how we do everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was taught like your relationship with money is probably very similar to your relationship with food, to your relationship with work, sex and pleasure. And there we go yeah. right there. Like that's the first wow. thing that came to me. Yeah, no, that, that I can, yeah, that totally rings true for the set point for, mm-hmm. you know, for your eat, for the eating. I mean that, yeah, absolutely. And so I think again, going back, you know, always to having that compassion because you're trying to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. You're trying to keep yourself out of harm's way. And, you know, early civilization was that, you know, basically we had to consume or die. Right. And now it's like, okay, we're not in this, you know, this early civilization mode anymore, but yet we have to just, you know, fight for ourselves each and every day. Mm-hmm. 
and giving ourselves that compassion to just say, okay, what is it that I can find out about myself today? What, uh, you know, what other thing can I learn to further my growth, my personal growth today? Yeah. And I was going to ask you, like, how do you expand that range to have like more financial comfort? Yeah. Well, and so I think honestly, it is just trying to talk, first of all, talking to your friends about it. So recently, uh, just, you know, it's so hard. We still have such a taboo topic about, you know, talking yeah. about money. We can talk money about sex, sex, right? We can talk about money all kinds of things. Like, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah. no, no. And so one of the things that I'm, I coach with, with my clients is giving them the space to be vulnerable, to talk to their family and friends about saying, I'm working on this right now with my finances. And, and just in having that statement can offer up the conversation to the other person to say, you know what, I'm struggling with that too, or I'm so proud of you. Let me, you know, let me support you in that journey. And so I, it really, for me starts with just being vulnerable enough to just share with what a little bit of what you're going through or working towards because then when you have that support behind you and you're just kind of bringing it more out into the public knowledge, then you feel more empowered to go and seek out more knowledge for yourself. Whether it's like we were talking about at the beginning, whether it's investing or budgeting or whatever it is, you already feel like I, I can do this. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to die if I seek out some information and there are no stupid questions. That's the thing that, you know, I feel like financial planners have gotten such a bad rap and it's because there've been others before us, but just that, you know, people don't know the questions to ask. And so just having the space, having, you know, a space to hold to just to say, look, whatever you ask, it's, you know, first of all, it's, it's confidential. It's absolutely safe. And you can, it's, there's no dumb questions. Then it's just saying, oh, okay, here's, here's some of my questions. And now you feel empowered to ask more, to learn more, where, wherever it is. Yeah. The safety is so important. And, and I, I totally relate to like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I don't know this, but like, they didn't teach us. No, they didn't. Like how convenient, like these topics (laughs) were casually left out of like, I learned trigonometry, but like, I didn't learn basic like budgeting and savings. And I mean, personal finance just wasn't a topic. And so like, there's nothing wrong with you if you feel like kind of in the, whatever, I don't like blinded. Um, if you just feel completely blinded by like the conversation of money, I mean, we don't, we don't talk about it. Our families, I mean, it depends on what, like, I guess everybody's situation is different, but it's not discussed. It's like this hush, hush thing. And it's interesting. Like, I was like, oh yeah, like no one has that much. No one has money for coaching. That was my story. Like no one has money for coaching. It's so expensive. No one would ever pay for that. And then once I started to like talk about it and like, just start to really pay attention on like what people were spending money on all of a sudden I was like, oh, like (laughs) actually they do, or maybe not everybody has money for coaching, but some people do. And there are enough people that have money for coaching for me to get paid. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, and think about it this way, because sometimes people will ask me, okay, so you're a financial coach. 
So how is it that you can charge people? Right. Oh yeah. Right? yeah. And, and it's, and I said, well, you know, it's, it's based on what you value. If you want to keep spending money on concert tickets or, you know, mani pedis or what have you, and continue on that hamster wheel, that's your choice. That's where you're placing value. And that's, that's your prerogative. But if you're looking to get off of it and, and actually say, okay, you know what? I want to empower myself and take charge. So I'm acting proactively and not reactively to everything that comes my way financial, you know, financial life, then that's when people seek me out. So it's the same way when they value your coaching, they're seeking you out and paying for your services because yeah. it is a value to them. Absolutely. And it's just so the whole conversation of value has shifted so dramatically and even when I go out to eat and I live in New York, so it's expensive to go right. out to eat in New York. And I, and my whole mindset has shifted around this, but you know, like a casual dinner could be like between 30 and 50 bucks. Right. 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 And like, you know, that was absurd to me a couple of years ago, but now it's, I look at it, um, differently in that. Okay. Like I am have this like nice table atmosphere in the middle of New York city for two hours. Yeah. Okay. Now it's the whole experience, right? It's not yes. about the pizza. Like <laughs> it's the, it's the experience. It's the energy. It's the vibration. That's what you're paying for. Exactly. You're essentially renting the table in the restaurant. Um, and uh, you know, and you're intentional of like, okay, like I'm going to invest in this because I enjoy this and I feel good when I do this, but like, maybe I'm not going to invest in like, the extra pair of jeans, um, or things like that. So you start to shift, like what, what do I want? What do I prioritize? I had a coach who once told me drop the word spending and replace it with investing. You are investing. And now what is the return on investment? And recently I've been having a lot of shifts in this money topic. Um, so it's very timely that we're doing this podcast right now, but I realized it's not just monetary. It's energetically, we are spending our energy every single day. Mm -hmm. And so where are we investing our energy and what is the return on investment? And so this is going to come up in your relationships. Like what relationships are draining you, um, in all different ways. And it's like, what are you, what are you investing your energy in? And sometimes we learn this the hard way and I'll just share yeah. a story because, um, I feel like it's just so relevant. Um, but I was the type that was like, I'm not going to upgrade my plane ticket. Like I'm going to get the cheapest flight possible, like fly on the off days, you know? And I flew to Miami back in May and I knew something was up when I went to book the flight and it kept like glitching. The website kept glitching and it was this $120 flight. And I was like, oh my God, it's this JetBlue $120 flight. Like there's probably something up here, but I couldn't decide if I should pay like the extra 30 bucks to upgrade my seat. Like really, really Jocelyn, really. And so because like I kept flipping back and forth in the pages. And so then when I went to hit submit, it was like error. And I think the error that came up was because of the seat change. And like, I don't know, the computer got confused and there was an error and we kept getting these errors. And my friend was also booking. And it was funny because her credit card kept getting rejected. And so finally I was like, you know what? Like we're, we're gonna, universe doesn't want us booking this flight tonight. Like we'll look at it again tomorrow. So we go back two days later and now the flight is $240. And 
And I'm like, oh, shit, like, <laughs> crap. And it's okay. Well, whatever. Like, we still want to go on this trip. $240 is still not a bad price to go to Miami. Like, whatever. So we booked the flight, goes through all as well. Whatever. Like, it is what it is. Her credit card was getting rejected. Okay. She texts me the next morning that her credit card actually didn't get rejected. And they honored her $120 flight. Actually, it was her $150 because she actually paid for the better seats in the front of the plane. So her credit card actually wasn't rejected. They honored the $150 flight and got rid of the $240. And so she, yeah, so she got it, but not me. (laughs) You know, I, I had to pay the $240. So I was like pissed off for a while and like really bitter about it. Um, so we go on the trip and it's about to like storm, like there's huge thunderstorm coming through and I'm like, okay, I feel like this is probably going to get delayed, but who knows? So we get to the airport, we board, all is going well. We pull away from the gate and like, we're waiting to take off. And the next thing we know, we're going back to the gate and we're going back to the gate because we had an anti-masker on the flight, somebody who refused to wear their mask. So he refused to get off the flight. So then it was this whole fiasco and we're sitting there and the flight attendants are coming and the air marshals are coming on and they're threatening to deplane us. And because this one guy wouldn't wear his mask. Uh And finally he gets off the plane, but now the thunderstorm is here (laughs) and we don't have a window to take off. So I want to say that we sat on the tarmac for about five hours. Um, and just waiting and then people are getting angry and antsy and the woman behind me is yelling about Doritos and and it's just is and I'm sitting there and I'm like what is the message from the universe like please what what am I supposed to learn here and it's like it's late like (laughs) we finally take off at midnight we finally take off flight is good we land we got in early we're sitting on the tarmac And next thing we know, they don't have an air marshal to bring the plane into the gate. So now we have to sit on the tarmac for another hour until the air marshal comes. And at that point, it's like, oh my God, like what in the world? (laughs) This is unreal. So we finally get off, we get back, we get to the apartment in Miami. It's like five in the morning. And we did get a credit. Um, So we got a credit for $150. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, that's it? I'm like, $150? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm like, I would have rather slept. And (laughs) this was the lesson right here was I would have rather paid my $240 to get there in two hours than to sit on the plane for eight hours. And that's when it hit me. Something inside of me clicked where it was like, you prioritize your time and your pleasure and your well-being, and it is so worth it. And that was the shift. And immediately when I had that shift, all of a sudden, any resentment for the extra money that I paid went away. I was like, okay, I get it now. That's it. It's like all, it's about the energy. And to me, like that is way more valuable than having to be exhausted and tired and, yes. eh, yes. and yeah. yeah. So 
And then of course my friends that flew with us ended up getting a free flight because they got their $150 credit for the 150 they spent. And they sat in the front of the plane away from the drama. So I had to learn the hard way, but I really wanted to share that because I feel like it's just so relevant. Um, and it is like, how are we spending and what are we valuing? And the, just the importance of valuing like time um, and inner work also is, yeah. it's just, it's life-changing. No, it is. So I, so real quick, I'll bring up um, something. So George Kinder, he is considered the father of the financial life planning movement in financial services. And he has um, three questions. He does all of these different trainings on life planning, but he has, he's known for these three questions. So just based on what you're saying, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask you these three questions. Okay. So imagine that you had all the money in the world now and in the future, mm. what would you do? How would you change your life? You know, what is it that you've dreamed about? that you thought was only a daydream, you know, what is it now that you can do? Mm -hmm. So that's the first question. So you have okay. really like all the money in the world, right? Okay. Second question is you've gone to the doctor for a checkup. The doctor has told you, you have five to 10 years left to live. Mm -hmm. um, you will not ever feel sick but you will not know the moment of your death. What would you change? How would you live about, you know, go about living your life? And then the third is this doctor, not a great doctor, by the way. Um, he says, you actually have 24 hours left to live. What did you not get to do? Who did you not get to be? You know, were there, is there anything, any wisdom you want to impart on anyone? And so I think really when you were talking about and sharing your story on the airplane and how you value, you know, the time for yourself, it's valuing that time. And that's one thing we can't, we can't get back, right. you know? And so I think that's what's, it's so important for us to, what is it that we value for ourselves? And everybody values things differently. Right. Right. But that being said, it really, it helps to drill down what you want for yourself, what it is you want for your life and for your loved ones, and then go about making those changes, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that I've recently been just following some speakers and leaders and they 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 talk about when you have like a near death experience yes. or like a terminating uh term term terminate <laughs> what's the word terminal terminal, terminal terminal illness like cancer it changes yeah. you yeah. it changes how you live it changes how you show up yeah. um and so it, it it is really interesting like when that that is one of the questions of, okay, like I have this near death experience. Like, who do I want to be? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's it really, what it's about. Yeah. It's all about who you're being. It's not what you have. And, and I was actually thinking about, you know, what is the dream? And I was just thinking about like some people that I really admire. And I'm mm -hmm. like, it would just be a dream to like go to lunch with this person, this one person. And then I was like, that's it. Like, that's what I want. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't want the yacht or like. I was going to say, well, why don't you want, or why don't you want to be that person? Well, I do want to be that person. Okay. But like, to be in that, in that, yeah. you know, to be in that energy and to, yeah. to be surrounded by that energy and that support. And that's what I want personally. I'm like, I want to be surrounded by like uplifting, empowering people. Um, and it just hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like not about the material thing for me. And for some people it could be different and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with what you desire. Um, and I think that's important Mm -hmm. is like for some people, they might really, really desire, um, like a mansion and I desire the mansion too. I'm like, I I want both. (laughs) You got to have more, right? But there's nothing wrong with what you want, but it just really hit me. I'm like, at the end of the day, it's not about the things. Mm -hmm. It's about the energy um, Mm -hmm. and like who I'm being surrounded by and like who I am and how I'm showing up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This feels like a really good place to wrap up. So Maggie, any final thoughts, anything that we left out that we missed now is your time. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I could talk about money for days. Um, but I think it just goes back to really giving yourself that compassion, you know, and giving yourself that grace because we, you know, I just feel, I, I, I feel for my clients when they're coming to me and they just they're, they're anxious and they just think, well, how did I not know this? Mm-hmm. Well, how, how did you not, not know? I mean, you just, you, it's just, you can't. And it's just, you know, and I, and then when people, when we find out whether it's money or whatever it is, whether it's fitness or what have you, we then want to do it all right now, because now we have some knowledge of something. It's like, okay, but you got to keep taking baby steps because you're going to get overwhelmed all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so just giving yourself oh, that yeah. compassion and that grace. Absolutely. The baby steps are so important. Yeah. You do too much at, at once. You learn that lesson the hard way, like I did. Exactly. <laughs> baby steps. That's right. Awesome. And uh, any resources that you want to share, any upcoming programs? How do people get in touch with you to learn more? Yeah. Thank you. So, um, people can go to my website, which is makeamoneymindshift.com. Um, that's where I list my financial coaching packages. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, all at Make a Money Mindshift. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being thank here. You. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was great chatting. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And yeah, if you have any questions or um, any thoughts or ahas, appreciations, share them with us. We want to hear. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, hear Jocelyn. Them. This has been great. Thanks so much. If you love what you heard, go ahead and give this podcast a follow. I would love to connect with you. So head over to Instagram and send me a DM with all of your ahas, your insights and appreciations at Jocelyn underscore Resnick. To learn more about upcoming programs and events, you can visit my website 
www.jocelynresnick.com. It has been an absolute pleasure changing the world with you.